From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. We're going to have some terrific guests for you this hour. Dr. Duncan Syme. We're going to be talking to Joseph Robertson, who's a free speech journalist from the Epoch Times. We'll be chatting with him as well. And of course, imminently, I'll be speaking with Gemma Cooper. In the meantime, I've got an email. Let's read the email. It's from Mark. What's stopping the Republican states in America blocking Biden on the ballot paper because he is allowing millions of illegal immigrants into America. I can see this happening if they block Trump in Colorado. What a terrific point. And uh, another good point to make just based on that. And yes, I agree completely, Mark. Why not flip the coin is if you ever want to make a point, the first thing you should do before you launch into it, or perhaps to get your counterpoint, is to get something Flip it completely 180 degrees, and that can quite often either uh, stop you from making a silly argument or give you the best argument that you ever had. And what a brilliant point that is by Mark. If they're going to do that by to Trump or attempt to do it, I would think would be a more apt term. I don't think they're going to succeed. But why don't they, the Republicans, go and do that to Biden in other states? And I could think of a million things that they could probably suggest would uh, disqualify Biden and certainly some recent revelations. And don't get me started on his son. Don't get me started on anomalies. And how many times, honestly, let's think about it. Do you ever remember? And I'll, I'll say, I'll be honest, maybe one, maybe two in a decade where you'd be watching a live sport event or you would learn of a live sport event where somebody would drop on the field. Quite often they didn't die. It would just be an incident, not necessarily because they were physically impacted, perhaps a heart, perhaps some sort of internal organ failing. But when have you ever seen that in mass numbers? When have you ever seen singers live on stage? And I mean, a bunch of rappers uh, recently, a Brazilian singer, Pedro Henrique, 30, he collapsed and died suddenly during a live performance. Recently, we had a Canadian journalist, in fact, one who not only pushed the vaccine mandates, he wanted uh, us dirty, unwashed, us unvaccinated people in what he would describe or what you might describe as a concentration camp, something like this. This guy, again, this guy, his name is, and I do have it written here, his name is Ian Vandale. And he, after advocating for all of that, he has found himself no longer with us after dying suddenly as well. It doesn't stop there. I've got a list. I've literally got 15 people just from the last week. I'll only touch upon three of them. One of them is the Turkish MP, uh, Hassan Bismet, who had a heart attack live on TV. It's just unbelievable. You can't make this stuff up. And you've all seen a million videos. Why am I bringing these up? Because they all happened in the last few days. That's why it is an anomaly. It is horrific. We're hearing the numbers, you know, one what was it, 950, 960 percent rise in heart related incidents that kept coming from the U.S. military who keep immaculate, impeccable records. They really do. And uh, we need to look into this stuff. Heads need the role. And these investigations that they're having are just a farce. They are a total puppet show. And they're just put on so they can say, well, we've been there. We've done that. We've we've dealt with it. But they haven't scraped the tip of the iceberg. They're not asking the right questions. They're not getting the experts on. And they're ignoring the data for the most part where they can. And the only people you ever see high in power who are saying, I'll take questions from not just any question, but from anybody uh, people who are as high profile and including who? Vladimir Putin, the guy who they tell us, you know, is no good. The guy who they tell us is dead, believe it or not, 
He did pretty well for a dead guy the other week, and now there he is advocating to give some of the land, part of Ukraine, back to some of the Eastern European countries, uh, Hungary included, so they can come back into the fold. And, I mean, that's a good deal for Europe. It's a terrific deal for some of those Eastern European countries, and it's an absolute nightmare for the likes of Vladimir Zelensky, who's not doing too well. You know, they have those things called Deadpools. You will have seen the movie uh, with Clint Eastwood called Deadpool. Terrific movie. Check it out. Where And if you don't know what a Deadpool is, and it is based on the character Deadpool from the uh, Ryan Reynolds movie, where you have a list of people you really don't think are going to make the year out. And if you, you know, come up, if your number or your person comes up, you get the money that's been put into the pool, typically a bunch it can be and i would put if i saw a deadpool sorry i probably shouldn't do this but i'm honest uh, the same way that i did with uh, another recently departed uh, Ru Ru russian wagner yes we know who we're talking about um well i would think vladimir zelensky is on limited time and we all know that when you are a puppet of the rich the elite the big boys and there he is going and uh bludging or the old term scabbing from country to country asking can i have some money can i have some money can you give me some weapons please please but that when they're done with him he will quickly be dispensed with he will be um cannon fodder i would imagine for the powers that be so vladimir zelensky i have a very good idea that just like your friend progosian you may meet your maker very soon and i have nothing to base that on other than instinct and i did call it those who have been watching my program or listening here at TNT Radio earlier this year, I made the call about two months before we lost Progosian, and uh, I'll make that call, and uh, I just feel that might be the case. And uh, not because I am the Grim Reaper, just because I recognise patterns and uh, the, the world seems to be very cyclic, does it not? Um, are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio or watching us now? Uh, do you think that we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. We'd love it if you could do that. So why not leave us a positive review or a like or even a comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. You can help us to get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time. We're right here on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Be a part of the conversation. I want representation I can trust. Have your say. Biden isn't doing enough. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yes, and speaking about Deadpool, it will be the only Marvel movie in the next few years that will actually make some money. They're trying to ruin it. They're trying to leak photographs to give away the plot. And it won't work. It won't work. Ryan Reynolds is absolutely distraught that that is happening. The simple fact is, even though I may have wanted to go and watch The Hunger Games, and by all reports, it's not a bad movie, I wasn't going to watch it because Rachel Ziegler's in it. And I know that's not a Marvel movie, but it is uh, related to, by way of Rachel Ziegler, Disney, her role in Snow White. And the simple point is, when the Marvels failed, by the way, it's capped out at $200 million. It is done. It'll be streaming for Peanuts soon don't pay don't pay 10 bucks to watch it wait till it comes out for nothing and then i would i would argue because i did uh watch a rather small caption with all sorts of uh ads popping up over it that somebody sent me um it's a dreadful movie anyway you wouldn't watch it even if it wasn't woke and uh, according to ai it is disney is the most woke company in the world would you agree with that Gemma? do you think can you think of any company that is more woke than disney 
not off the top of my head, but I haven't really watched anything from the Disney franchise for such an incredibly long time. I'm getting my Disney feed from you, Dean, when you go on your epic rants about the state of the movie industry now, which I find very informative and, and entertaining. But I mean, you know, I don't think you need to scratch the surface of any public company here in the UK and, and you know, ostensibly publicly funded um, that you will find wokeness. You know, I'm not talking about a commercial company. I'm talking about things like, you know, the NHS and certainly our academic system. They're they've all gone completely woke and I think have been for years. It's just the sheer scale of it now that's being revealed. But it's everywhere, isn't it? This pernicious agenda that nobody asked for that suddenly has been come thrust upon us on a global scale. It is. I mean, the worst part is we're paying one way or another, whether it be through our tax dollars. But the beauty of it is when it is a commercial enterprise, when it is something that literally needs bums on seats at a theatre to make money and people are just actively rejecting it. I mean, I was hanging to take my son because our whole life, our thing that we do, we hang out, we go to the movies, we walk around the shopping mall. We really love it, especially at Christmas. I was looking for somewhere to go. There were only two sci-fi movies until uh, the, the new Aquaman, which should be pretty good. Uh, comes out. And I was absolutely not going to put my money into that because the same way, oh, what kind of hypocrite would that make me? The other thing, if you want to talk about movies just quickly, uh, I, you know you know how I hijack you. Um, with the new Aquaman, which is a terrific movie, I can't believe they've got Amber Heard still in it after what she did to Johnny Depp, but they've cut her role down. It is minuscule compared to a lot of that is on the cutting room floor. Many people calling for her shots to be completely recast and reshot. Um, but that's not going to happen. That would have cost way too much money. They were far too into it. And I have to tell you one more thing. Um, the the head of Disney, the recently returned head of Disney, went publicly, I, I, I'm going to try not to laugh, and he explained why the Marvels failed. And rather than just admit it's too woke and we've lost our way and we're a bunch of imbeciles, instead of doing that, what he said was it was a lack of supervision while they filmed it during the pandemic. Can you believe this? That was his excuse. Wow. Wow. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what yeah, do I they know. think? What do they think that they can just say something and because they say it, it will be blindly accepted as truth, you know, that they can curate and create a reality which everyone is going, that's not true, mate. That's just rubbish. You're talking rubbish, you know. <laughs> it's just astounding, isn't it? It really is astounding. that. And again, it shows the contempt in which not just our leaders, political leaders, but bosses of these massive corporations, they're looking down on the, on the people who are filling those bums on seats or filling the ballot box paper. That's how they all look at us. I don't think you get to these positions of power, whether they're political or corporate, without being a bit of a psycho, for want of a better word, who has no understanding of how the average person normal you know relatively normal if there is such a thing thinks and acts and also we are we are quite intelligent most of us the 99 percent on the bottom we have got brains and we're using them yeah it, it's one thing when they thrust it upon us through our publicly funded media uh and government and all the sort of wokeness you know that is the um you know the the structure of our lives but when it comes to things that we can opt to do or not, or go see something else instead. It's going to fail dramatically and people are just done with it. They are absolutely done. And here's Disney uh, saying, well, that's that's our reason. How could they not be aware when they've completely re-coached this Rachel Ziegler person who you know, previously said that the old story was dated, 
Prince Charming's a stalker. It was weird, weird, but her words. And um, here she is now saying, oh, I love everything that Disney's ever done going back a million years. I mean, it was it was horrific. You know, you need a Stematil tablet uh, to stop yourself from being sick every time you, you watch her speak, but especially when she's backtracking it at 1,000 miles an hour. I've sidetracked you. What are we talking about? I will just make. It, I, I like the side tracking. I like it. I like. What, I like what you come out with. And um, I just the Amber Heard thing. I think is um is an interesting example where again a profit comes before you know the right thing to do. Given what happened with the Johnny Depp situation, and originally when Johnny Depp was accused of all the things, he lost everything, didn't he? he lost the Pirates of the Caribbean. He, that was it. Done. Game over. And of course, a lot of it wasn't true. And there were two sides to every story. But rather than do the right thing. Um, you know, because of money, they can't afford to do the right thing. So they say, because it affects the profits, they keep her in. It, it is all wrong. It is all wrong. You're, you're right with that observation. It is about the only part of it I'm okay with, the same way that they were very quick to dispense with when they believed and had not established guilt of Johnny Depp. That now that pretty much the, you know, most of us would assume or believe based on what we saw through her testimony that Amber Heard is indeed a, li a liar, but Hollywood has um, done the same to her. I thought maybe they'd let her slide a little bit, but they didn't. She is gone and uh, she'll find it very hard to get a role moving forward. Yeah, moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah, moving forward. Um, talking about moving forward, uh, there's a story that's broken out of France uh, as a result of a vote that went through yesterday. And it's the, it's the story that unites pretty much all our countries around the world, which is immigration. But what's interesting is that Macron's under a lot of criticism today because the bill that was voted through last night on immigration, tightening France's immigration policies, much like the UK is doing, um, and, and Australia, is that he had to kind of almost kind of go into, not go into bed, but had to kind of unite with uh, Marie Le Pen's party. So, of course, today Macron is being accused of, you know, collaborating, yeah, colluding yeah. with the far right, all of that stuff. Um, what I find interesting about this story is, um, I mean, he originally did say, I won't I won't uh, join forces with National Rally. That's the last thing I want to do. But he's now been accused of actually using some of their language that's come from their immigration pamphlets to get this bill through because he was warned that if you don't kind of tackle this now, um, immigration is such a big topic in France, just like the UK, um, you'll lose the 2027 election. So obviously panic has set in, they've collaborated. But the um, the policies that they're bringing in are exactly the same as the ones the UK is talking about, which is um, making it much more difficult for immigrants to bring in family members, just like the UK, and also uh, denying access to welfare and benefits, just like the UK. So again, it's got this kind of feeling of lockstep about it, because suddenly all these countries are doing a U-turn on their immigration policies, which have pretty much been open borders for such a long time, and the problems that is now causing, um, and it bringing exactly the same policies, exactly the same. Maybe they've just kind of all got together and realized, oh, that's the only policies that will work. But it has got the whiff of lockstep about it, I think. And, you know, we all kind of kind of understand that the immigration issue has had the shadowy kind of hands of globalist agendas to destabilize cultures, to create problems within communities, all of that stuff. I mean, France has got a huge problem with Islamophobia. And also we covered that story last week about the teacher in fear of her life after showing a nude in an art class and, and Islamic parents, Muslim parents phoning to complain. Social media went wild and the poor teacher had to have time off work because she was so worried following the beheading of a teacher not wow. long before that, which was, again, a, a Muslim and religious-related crime. He was beheaded outside his own school. So it clearly is an issue, a huge issue in France, as it is in the UK. But it's just the measures that are being brought in, regardless of the situation in individual countries, are exactly the same. 
So again, you wonder, is this a lockstep approach, which may or may not work, may actually cause further problems, further divisions, further crime, um, and, and further destabilizations. But while making people at the ballot box think, oh, our leaders are doing something about immigration now, they're all doing something, they're all saying they're doing something, will it actually have the inverse effect uh, and make existing problems and tensions in countries a lot worse? Well, it's a start. It's certainly lockstep with Western Europe. It would be lovely. And perhaps if Marine Le Pen does well at the next election, and I did lose money on her, uh, I do very well on political bets. I've won thousands upon thousands. I did lose that one. I think it might have been a, a bit of wishful thinking last time around, but I think she's in with a chance at the next time. And it would be wonderful if she was successful to be in lockstep with some of our Northern European or Eastern European neighbours who really would advocate for, for net zero migration and some countries up north even choosing to reverse it. They're demolishing public housing, they're selling it off, and they're, they're strongly encouraging people to not want to stay in those countries and to go to other countries in the EU. And I will talk about that, I think, tomorrow, because I've, I've got a whole bunch of data on that, and I, I really want to make a story about it. But I don't want to get people too excited because they'll all want to go to these two particular countries. Uh, Gemma, always an absolute pleasure. You'll be back in a couple of hours, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Dean. And she's looking so much better. I'm very happy. Prayer works. We're going to come back after the break. And with who? With you. Not you, Gemma. With you lot out there listening, uh, 1-800-670-310. If you'd like to call, if you're in the UK, give us a call on 033-0024-1026. Pick up the phone and dial. We'll be back after this. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as I reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government's doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media, like Telegram, who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40. California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%. You know, 99.8% survival, rather than the three or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. 
By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, if you'd like to give us a call, we'd love you to do it. 1-800-670-310. It's that easy. Uh, I can't believe the ABC. I mean, I don't know why I read it. What do I read? Because I have to. I have to. Would I suggest you read it? Well, you're paying for it, but no. But I mean, here they are. I've got to do this. It's important that they've got a warning on here. Are you ready? The World Health Organization says, sorry, I almost dozed off, JN, the JN1, <laughs> where do they come up with this? The JN.1 yeah, yeah, strain of COVID-19 is a variant of interest. Wow, I'm not interested in it, so I don't know where this level of interest is coming from. Uh, here's what we know, and uh, get ready for this. These are some of the symptoms to look out for. Fever, chills, a sore throat. Other symptoms include aches and pains, fatigue, runny nose, sneezing, headache, and coughing. Um, what, what do they call that? It's called a cold. It was only ever a cold. There was no, there was no COVID. It was fluvid. And uh, a simple five-year-old, if they looked at the data, saw the non-existence of the flu for three years. And uh, almost in identical numbers, this fluvid thing, COVID, that they had, it's a scam, it's a sham, you know, stick something up your nose and it's like a lottery ticket. It's designed to tell one in X amount of people that possibly they do have that. Yeah, codrol on. Codrol on, soldier on, get some codrol. Uh, that one coming from studio and I couldn't agree more. And I say, bugger it, don't even do that. You know, I, I, I never take I never take any of that. We've got a caller on the line, so we'll go straight to them. Hello. G'day Hello. There. That sounds Hello. like Sid from Sydney. How are you, my mate? It is. <laughs> I recognise your voice after. Oh, Sid, I've, I've got an anniversary, and you How spoke you to me when I first started in Talkback Radio, and it was 15 years ago today that I started, and you were one of my first callers. So I'd just like to say thank you. I, I, don't, and, even, I, don't, even rem I don't even remember that, but thank you. It's, uh, mate, I, it's been I didn't remember it. I had to, I had to look it up in, in my thing. I knew I was getting up on... 15 years, and I started just after my, my son was born. So there you go. Wow, that would have been fun. Well, and just on just on that brief bit, that brief little funny bit there, that should probably go into a radio blooper. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because um, back in the 
back in the, I think it was the 80, well, back in the days, the 80s and the 90s and so on, when you'd listen to, say, somebody like a John Laws, it didn't happen with all the announcers, but with some of them it did. That's what they would literally do. They'd call out hello and somebody would actually answer back. I don't know how anybody knew it was their turn to speak, but that's what they used to do. That's what they used to do back in the day, if you listen to some of the old YouTube things. That's exactly how they used to do it, and it just made me smile there for a minute or two. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's good it, when it, we it, can get a laugh after all the crap that it, we've got to contend with. It's nice well, to have a laugh and some levity. Yes, it, it is. Um, look, I'm not sure what you make of um, this story about... Um, well, the story is that Australia Australia's not uh, sending a warship or, or whatever. He said giving diplomatic uh, support to the Americans while they protect trade at the Red Sea. Well, yep. I mean, a couple of things on that. So, but do we even have any of those capabilities? I mean, are we even? We're not even prepared to deal with China, which is probably a lot more closer to us than the Middle East ever is. How are we going to be sending ships over if we're not even prepared ourselves? Well, what we can work? do, Siv, Siv, we can lend them a submarine that we're getting a loan of, but they'll have to wait um, 11 years. But apart from that, <laughs> things should be fine. Now, we've got this massive capability. The only uh, capability that we've increased is the, our chance of getting nuked because, you know, now we're going to be storing nuclear material here, have a bunch of Americans uh, on our soil as part of this AUKUS thing. What a dreadful deal. And they use it to rip us off and sell us secondhand crap. Well, and, and, and here's the interesting thing with that. So um, if, we're, if we're looking at, uh, deal, and, and yeah, the, the whole thing is, well, we've got to be preparing to deal with China. Well, how are we doing that if we're not even, if we're being asked to do all these other things? How are we even preparing to protect ourselves? Oh, wait, we can't quite do that exactly because, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of half broke as it is. So uh, I'm not Half sure broke, mate? I, 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 think we're, I, I think we were half broke before COVID. We're now officially yes. fully broke. I think one, one trillion is the, is the we're buggered up. mark, yeah. The, the, the creditors will be turning up and asking for, asking for their money. They'll be sort of knocking on the door. Uh, yes, uh, you know, we're, we've, we've got an IOU here and uh, we'd like to actually enforce that. Um, I wonder how that's going to work in a country like ours. And if you thought we had, we were going to have protests like they did in the very old days in Argentina when things went pear-shaped, well, I mean, that is going to get very interesting to watch. So look out, Australia. Get ready for it. Good to talk to you, Dean. Good on you, Siv. He's terrific. The best caller ever, and he even knows when to wind himself up. He knows the clock better than I do. But, uh, yeah, when it, when it comes to, to all of that, um, I just think it's, it's good. Oh, we've got another caller. We'll go to them quickly. Yeah, let's do that. Hello, caller. Oh, well, hi, Dean. Hey, Julie, how are you? Oh, good. I was, I was just ringing about, um, did you know now they're pushing for a republic? Oh, well, they, they've, they've never really stopped, have they? No, no, but it's back in the news. And Turnbull said that um, by 2024, I, I think that he mentioned that would be a republic. So... Uh, but you know that there's already a minister for a republic in the um, in, in federal parliament. They've already got got him. He's been there. He's appointed in last June, and he is to transition us into a republic because the voice was a backdoor republic as well. Oh yes, and, and I, I, yes. I was going to say when that failed because these creeps 
get to rewrite the constitution that failed. There's certainly some stuff that they need to get in there. I would suggest before 2030. So uh, that's exactly what they're going to do next. And it was very predictable now that you mention it. Yes, and 1999, they're all, you know, it's like Howard and um, Howard put on a referendum in 1999 for us to have a republic and um, to um, also recognise the Aborigines because that's all part of it. But anyway, that's beside the point. And everybody said no, but now they're back on it again. And the reason why is because the New World Order want all republics and they destroy constitutional monarchies because constitutional monarchies have an umpire and that's the Queen or the Governor-General. And all the powers are divided, like the state's powers divided, the federal uh, government's powers divided, so it can't become a dictatorship. And so they want to have a republic now because they'll put the president in, and I've read all the documents. I've got now a final report of the Constitutional Committee in 1988. None of this is new. It's been going on for a long time. They've been trying to destroy our constitution because it gives us the power and not them. And they've got an umpire and it's, they can't, they can't, you know, get their, their new world order. They can't destroy our country quick enough. So but this is what it's about. And they'll put the president in as the governor general and he has lots of powers. Like uh, like he's got five, he can dissolve section, uh, uh, five, he can dissolve the parliament. He can call elections. He can dismiss the uh, prime minister. See, they'd, they'd have the prime minister there as well. This is some of the the uh, sorts of uh, things republics they're having and they're making out they don't know but they know exactly what sort they're having and it's going to really destroy our constitution <clears throat> and what will happen is they'll have the president you imagine albanese as the president yep. with the queen's position which is represented by the governor general where they can uh, sack prime ministers call elections they can disallow um legislation uh, they can appoint ministers and that's how they actually, the Governor-General appointed the National Indigenous Agency through Section yep. 64. They can appoint like these organisations. Hey. They'll have full power. Yeah, Dear Julie, I, w- I would love to go on, but I've gone four minutes uh, over the news. But I love that you've brought our attention to the fact that they're going to try a referendum. A referendum, um, you know, uh, to get us into a republic, uh, is it's like a gun. If you give it to a farmer who uses it as a tool, it's a terrific thing. But if you have somebody that's going to rewrite the rule book and it's a bunch that you currently and who have recently proved that you can't trust, it is absolutely the last thing you want. Thank you, Julie. We're going to be talking to Dr. Duncan Syme after the news headlines right here at TNT Radio. Turn on the news. I have a little news flash. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. The United Nations Children's Fund has expressed outrage over the situation in Gaza, where close to 8,000 Palestinian children are now said to have been killed in Israel's brutal bombardment. A top British minister has seemingly defended an Israeli sniper who shot and killed a Christian mother and her daughter at a church in Gaza. And the UN has condemned Kiev's crackdown on the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, saying banning the largest Christian church in the country could violate human rights. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. My next guest is a terrific one, Dr. Duncan 
time. He's been a clinical practitioner for 34 years initially in the UK and then later here in Australia for the past 10 years. He's been working in a large public hospital in their hospital in the home program as a consultant. Uh, in that role, he has developed in particular interest, uh, the complex wound management. Uh, he has a good understanding of the ethics approval process in clinical trials and monitoring adverse effects for clinical trials. Dr. Sum is the Vice President of the APMS, that's the Australian Medical Professionals Society, and it's my immense pleasure to have Dr. Duncan Sum with us right now. G'day, Duncan, how are you going? Very well, thanks, Dean. How are you? Hey, excellent. Thank you for joining us. I, I did suggest that, you know, there would be nothing wrong with rewriting the Constitution if you had people that you could trust, people of the people advocating for the people. What a terrific thing. As a result of reality, we don't have that. Likewise, with the WHO, if we were going to have some treaty that was written for the public good of the whole world, I would advocate for that. I don't trust the people in the WHO, and of course they are pushing for the, the, you know pandemic treaties and whatnot. This would be something that you'd be more than truly aware of. Yes, uh, I think there's a great, uh, great concern about the the World Health Organization as it stands today. It's got itself involved in these public-private partnerships, so it's uh, now been heavily controlled by what's, what are, I suppose are known as stakeholders. So uh, organisations such as pharmaceutical companies, um, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, a variety of other, um, I suppose, financial institutions that basically tell the, the who, um, where to uh, to put its programs and, and how they can get uh, financial return from those programs. So not uh, not looking at the what are the best Health programs for the for the population, Wait. and uh, I would have to say that uh, it's you know the the recent COVID uh, um, uh, uh, fiasco. I would say um, is most of the public health advice came from the WHO, which has now been you know uh, many a lot of it has been proven uh, you know completely false. Yeah, I, I was going to say you know had they done a terrific job with that, um, we'd probably be advocating for them more, more. We'd be screaming from the rooftops as a as a result of them getting it almost completely wrong, almost to the point where you wonder how they could possibly have got it that wrong. Uh, mate, these proposed amendments to the international health regulations, mate, uh, their claims are it is to enhance global health security and addressing challenges very broadly worded and of course they can you can read into that whatever they wish uh that's exactly right they're uh, basically it's a it's a it's a grab for um public health uh control in in all countries around the world and uh they they have the ability to call uh call a public health health emergency of international concern and they then um, if these uh, international health regulation amendments go through, they, that will give them the power to uh, override any of the sort of uh, sovereign nations, public health authorities, um, and uh, institute whatever they they deem as uh, um, you know, they want to do. So, you know, which could include forced injections, forced quarantine, uh, etc. So, um, yeah, people just have to think back what happened you know only two two or so years ago um and that could happen uh, again under the the who's control 
Yeah, I, I can imagine nothing worse. I mean, I literally, it takes a fair bit to scare me. And when we got to the point where people were saying that they may actually advocate for knocking door to door and forcing people to take that jab, something that particularly scared me, um, I was set to run for the hills, you know, take the family and go. And I'm guessing uh, there would be millions around the world that would uh, be on, hot on my heels. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think what we need to do is uh, get our governments to start listening to our concerns and, uh, 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 you know, both reject the amendments and uh, actually exit the WHO, because I think the WHO now is uh, so has so many conflicts of interest that it uh, uh, is not functioning in the way it was uh, I originally envisaged. A law unto themselves, and God forbid that anybody should question the law. Let's take that on a local or a national level, I should say, and talk about APRA. And I did talk to Dr. William Bay yesterday. He seemed rather excited about the fact that the gag order had been dropped. I subsequently today, earlier today, spoke to Dr. Andrew McIntyre. I would absolutely love your take on APRA and uh, this reversal or a return to normal uh, but apparently some other legislation has been brought in that would prevent you from saying perhaps exactly what you wanted without risking your licence. Um, yeah, well, I've got, I've got to let you know that I'm still currently suspended by APRA. Uh, that's now two years, uh, getting close to two years now um, for you know basically giving proper informed consent. So um, in relation to the withdrawal of the gag order, I'm... Uh, initially, I was sort of thought, well, that's terrific. But now I'm uh, on uh, thinking about it and looking at uh, the the rest of the documentation. I think it's been a tactical withdrawal by APRA. Uh, the the position statement has done the damage. It uh, destroyed informed consent. Um, it coerced doctors in behaving in a manner which uh, I think broke uh, their code of conduct. Um, uh, and uh, even though it's it's uh, not so visible, they've uh, underlying. If you if you look at the the new document, um, which is um, a little bit wishy washy, but uh, if you look at look at it closely, the the, the teeth are still there to to attack doctors who speak out uh, against uh, um, COVID nineteen. I would love uh, I would love more doctors to come out particularly band together, um, you know, whether under a, you know, the organisation of AMPS. But uh, there are a lot of doctors out there who are aware that they're seeing adverse events from vaccination, um, but they're staying quiet because they, uh, they're they fearful of APRA. Uh, they don't trust APRA and uh, they don't have much respect for APRA. Well, yesterday, Billy Bay was uh, quite ecstatic, thinking that there was going to be a bunch of doctors who could now pile on and the truth would come out. I, I would suggest that most of the ones who, who didn't advocate are either cowards or just people who might have a very good recall, but certainly don't aren't critical thinkers, people such as yourself, doctors who were the critical thinkers, who were the best doctor imaginable. I mean, who would you rather have, honestly, than somebody that can think outside the box, that can override a ruling and get your health decision right without having say saying, sorry, I followed the, the experts we were told to, I got it wrong, you're now buggered for life. And I'm really sorry that I didn't have the ability to think critically, you know, And uh, but you're stuck with me. And you are one of those guys that did that. I would imagine that uh, having your licence suspended might be a little bit like if you work in, uh, you know, the mainstream media. I've been sacked twice because I like to advocate for the truth and say what I think. You wear it as a bit of a badge of honour, don't you? 
Uh, well, I feel very comfortable in the position that I've taken and I feel that, uh, yeah, uh, I've done the right thing and I've followed my code of conduct to, to the T. Um, but I, under, I understand why uh, other doctors, um, yeah, there was a, it was a, a major PSYOP and, uh, you know, pressure was applied. It was coercion on all sides. Um, but, yes, I wish more doctors would, uh, would stand up and, and call it out. Um, I'm yeah, been greatly disappointed by the 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 profession, mate. I think your intuition will will answer this question and your reaction when you heard about this gag order being dropped. What was your immediate reaction? My immediate reaction was um, that the the pressure that's being applied is having having some effect on on APRA and uh, the bureaucrats. Um, so I know there's a lot of, uh, there's a, quite a number of legal cases that are going, you know, often instigated by people like, you know, other terrific doctors like Dr. Mark Hobart, Melissa McCann, Dr. Julian Fidge and Dr. You know, Dr. William Bay, uh, plus um, the fact that, uh, you know, there are uh, organisations like AMPS and uh, uh, the Australian Medical Network who have spoken, you know, speaking out, um, plus other organisations. Um, Plus the fact that the the general populace uh, are, have become aware that these injections, uh, you know, both cause damage and um, are completely ineffective against stopping COVID, well, and uh, you can see that by the the, the fact that uh, less than five percent of the under sixty fives are actually going for the boosters that are being pushed by the government. Yeah, it's hard to believe people are still taking them. I've got to ask you quickly, uh, whilst you're not currently practising, you would know, have a bunch of friends who probably are, um, they would by now have to be noticing the highly anomalous numbers of people coming in who are sick with things uh, that are disproportionate to uh, years gone by. Is that the case? Uh, yes, from all the sort of the anecdotal stories that I'm getting from uh, from the colleagues that I keep in contact with, yes, there's undoubtedly... Uh, doctors are seeing a lot of strange things that they've never seen before in in numbers that they've never seen before, uh, and yes, it's uh, it's a it's a, a very strange pattern that's uh, that's that's happened. Yeah, and uh, it's it's uh, very temporally related to the the rollout of the injections. And if you don't opinion. mind. If if you don't mind me asking, and I, I'm only asking because I do care, uh, you're obviously somebody who not only would love to practice, but I would love, and everyone listening and watching would love to see people such as yourself back in practice, the best doctors imaginable. Um, is is that a likely thing anytime soon for you to regain your license? Are there legal proceedings happening, or how do you how do you get uh, well, back? We're, we're, well, I would love to be uh, back in practice, but ultimately uh, it, it'll probably come down to a legal stoush with with APRA. There's there's lots of is flowing backwards and forwards um but uh at this point uh, there is uh yeah i haven't heard from opera in four and a half months they're supposed to send updates every three months we've sent a letter in recently to see what's going on uh, i've already had a, a they commissioned a independent report which uh, uh the independent reporter said that uh, I should be allowed back and uh, yeah that was you know four months ago and I heard nothing from him well mate I, I pray for you and I, I really do hope and advocate for everybody who's out there to uh, contact APRA and say so we want these doctors the good ones the critical thinkers back such as Dr Duncan Simon. Duncan I thank you for your time and hopefully we'll do it again at some point in the future
All right. Very much. Thank you, Dean, and thanks to your audience. And thank you. All right. Some people pronounce it epic. Epic Times, I know it's the Epoch Times, and uh, tremendous articles coming out of there. Their journalists are top-notch, and I'm going to be chatting with one of them, Joseph Robertson, right after this break here at TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. If by some unimaginable impossibility you're still trying to determine whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, ask yourself the following questions. Did you favor the Baphomet statue being erected at the Iowa State Capitol? Did you enjoy the school board swearing in on a stack of child pornography books? Do you find nothing objectionable about a homosexual sex tape being recorded in a Senate hearing room and posted online? And finally, did you just love the transgender nutcracker down a hallway hideously decorated by Dr. Jill Biden for Christmas at the White House? If the answer to one or more of these questions is yes, you might be a Democrat. In fact, you're definitely a Democrat. As for the rest of us, if you doubted that, in the words of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, this next election is the choice between normal and crazy, wonder no more. Last week said it all. From aginstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. I want to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas. I need to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas. Why can't I eat, eat, eat apples and bananas? Support the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks to help provide meals to those in need. Join us at feedingamerica.org. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to the program. You've been very busy in uh, chat. I've been immensely busy. I've been reading your comments and I wish I had more time because I would love to read each and every one of them out. Uh, Lozzie's written, I don't think Australia is a democracy anymore, but we are given the illusion that we are. I would suggest, Lozzie, we never were and that only as they have put more and more of their white ants or their puppets into play, um, we have, we're now at the point we can't deny it. There is no uh, distinction between either side of the political duopoly. I think that's where we are now. It's becoming so apparent. Why even argue about it? Uh, my next guest, Joseph Robertson, free speech journalist at the Epoch Times. Uh, he specialises in political affairs, net zero policies and free speech issue. He provides insightful coverage on key national stories. And it's my pleasure to have him on the program. Joseph, how are you going? Very well, thanks. Good morning. Mate, cash is king, is it not? And um, I used to say it all the time and I found myself getting my phone and tapping and making a hypocrite of myself. Lately, I've been always advocating for cash, using cash, carrying cash where possible, but they're really out to get our cash. You know, over in Europe, the central banking system's new digital euro, it's likely to try and uh, take the cash out of your pocket and force you onto something where they can control you. Mate, tell us why this is so bad. Well, the thing is, we've got to look at um, the promises that are being made. And of course, one of those promises is that cash will still remain on the cards for everybody. Um, I think there's something else to consider, which is that a lot of people have already started using a form of digital currency for a long time. We all have cards, we all have credit cards. 
this is perhaps the next step in that process to try and digitize things and make them more attached to a central banking system rather than a uh, fiat currency. Um, and one of the issues with this, of course, is that there's more surveillance for digital payments. So when you're uh, putting any kind of digital payment through, there's a lot of massive data. That's why it's so much easier to catch financial criminals nowadays. Um, and of course, that just gets taken to the next level with the digital currency um, because there is so much more data readily available to collect. It's going to be directly linked to your personal bank account. So, you know, the government will be able to see what you're spending the money on, be able to dictate what gets frozen and what doesn't get frozen. And of course, the, the real fear is that that could be linked in some kind of social credit system in the future. It's rather frightening. I mean, some people could argue, you know, the good thing about going cashless, you know, if that is their end goal, is that it eliminates, you know, let's say drug dealers from the equation. It's very hard to make, you know, millions and hundreds of millions as some of the ones at the top. If, of course, it's all on record, very hard to cover up. But I would argue I'd rather have that in our society than have a government that could control us. I mean, let's say we had this central banking um, digital, you know, euro or here in Australia, some sort of digital currency in place back when we had the lockdowns in the pandemic. I mean, literally they could do things like, for example, if you went outside of your LGA, as they called them here, our local government area, they could literally stop your card from working outside of areas they didn't want you to go um, to. And likewise, with these, you know, 15-minute cities or whatever they're calling them of the future, they could stop you spending that money outside of your circle. Is that just a couple of the things that could become a reality? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things we have to remember about currency as a whole is that it's not just a means of transaction, it's also a means of propaganda. Um, and whatever a government decides to do with this currency, be that real coins or be that uh, digital, is normally programmed in a way that uh, you know it wants its systems to respond to. So we have to look at what kind of future um, these uh, these central authorities are wanting us to see. Um, you know, coins have the have the elected heads of states or have the, have the head of the king on it. What will be the stamp on that new currency? Well, I think the stamp on that new currency will be more control from from a centralised authority, um, from an overarching, um, a supranational body rather than a national body. So now we're kind of moving away from all the elements of classical sort of national propaganda. We're moving more towards supranational propaganda. And we have to kind of look for examples of where that's already happened. One of those places, of course, is in communist China, um, where there is a social credit system in place, where they do have a digital currency, where everything is already tied into their WeChat system of payment. Um, and there's a credit rating app there in China, which targets which targets adults. Um, those with the highest credit scores enjoy greater access to training and employment benefits. Um, and those with the lowest scores encounter restrictions, even day-to-day -day life. And, you know, I've seen videos coming out of China where people maybe uh, you know, go the wrong way down a road or they jaywalk accidentally and suddenly their faces flashed up in a big screen right in front of them in the square ahead, um, you know, with a sort of, you've, you've just dropped in your social credit. I mean, that's wow. the future that people worry about. It's, um, it sounds very dystopian, like a, a dreadful, bad sci-fi movie, but it could become reality and it, it is frightening it's imminent mate the best thing i ever saw was a, a little cartoon animation online uh, about a year ago and there's a, let's say there's a butcher gets 50 dollars off off uh 
of bread off the baker. The baker goes to the green grocer, buys $50 of fruit and vegetable. And, you know, 50 transactions, 60 transactions later, here's that same $50 bill comes back to the original guy. It's still 50 bucks. When we do digital transactions, they take their cut, could be as high as 1.5 or 2%, depending on where you go. So between 50 and 65 transactions, the bank has the lot. So not only is this a measure of control, ultimately they're taking I, I wouldn't say all, but they're taking a significant amount of money out of our financial circles, yeah? Absolutely. And, of course, this comes back to what it is. I mean, it's not going to be a, uh, a fiat currency. It's going to be based on um, a full reserve currency, which is similar to what was used in the Soviet Union. Um, you know, it has no link to, to gold or any kind of baseline um, value. It's just going to be backed by present and future tax revenues. Um, and that, of course, you know, depends on the global economy as well. You know, your, your currency would then be linked into how well or how badly the EU did as a whole. If you're in the EU, again, we've got plans over here in the UK of something called Bitcoin or um, central bank digital currency under the Bank of England. Um, and it's a similar kind of thing. It's tied into the, the uh, value of the pound. Um, and, and one of the issues with this, of course, is that you're moving away from having a physical baseline for your currency. So it becomes a lot easier to manipulate, a lot more easy to manipulate. Um, and of course, that, you know, could lead to issues with um, trade in the future. It could lead to issues with the introduction on the other end of identity cards and passports based on the currency. It could lead to, um, you know, more need for biometric links to your to your data so it's more secure of course all of this is in the name of security and the idea from the eu is that this currency will become less hackable than the normal currency um, but the flip side of that is how much security they want from you to make that possible well, you know, I mean, they say less hackable. I mean, I can't imagine too many situations where banks have been hacked and lost, you know, significant amounts of money. Maybe they lose track. They tend to get back on track. One thing that I took away from that when you said that this currency will have no real backing, it will basically be numbers existing in cyberspace. Uh, it reeked of, uh, of a Ponzi scheme long term. Is this something that ultimately could blow up in our face? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, they, they, they've given their promise that a, a digital euro would complement cash and not replace it. But the fear is that if it did supersede cash, uh, then, yeah, like you said, there's no physical basis. So it would be hard to to see the difference between that and, uh, you know, like you said, some kind of Ponzi scheme. And looking at it objectively, um, what would happen when you didn't have any baseline for currency? Who would, who would uh, you know, look over those markets and decide what the true value of currency was going to be. I mean, it seems to be very open to, um, you know, a lot of fragility, for instance, during a wartime or during a crisis. It sounds great as a kind of utopian methodology for working out exactly how things should cost. Um, perhaps, you know, in the short term, it might, might do better for price comparisons. But if you hit crunch time and you got into a crisis, I mean, you know, just forgetting all of the security issues for a second, just the practicality of it, how would that work during a global, uh, you know, outage, for instance? You know, if you if you got hit by an EMP and suddenly all your electrical systems were down and you didn't have your backup, would your entire currency crash? I mean, there's so many things to consider on that front as well. Mate, it really is uh, horrific. The more I hear, the more worried I am. The big question is, how do we pre prevent it or can we? 
Well, of course, one way to, to prevent it is to, to voice concern about it in, in, in the consultations that tend to come out for the public on this kind of stuff. Uh, I know in the UK there was uh, there was a mass outcry over a lot of the security issues that were perceived as not having been addressed by the Bank of England. Um, there was a consultation that was shared around, and I mean, of course, that kind of stuff does get back to the government, and they they see whether or not it's going to score them political points. Of course, the issue with the European Union is it's a supranational organisation; it's not something that's democratically accountable, and so people are a lot more worried that it could end up being and something that they have no control Joseph, over. Joseph, wouldn't it be lovely if they were accountable? Mate, I've got about 10 seconds. So I've got to say thank you to Joseph uh, Robertson from the Epoch Time. Thank you very much for coming on the program, mate. I do appreciate it more than you might imagine. Uh, everybody hang around. We've got Katie Hopkins coming up after the break. This is TNT Radio. I'll catch you tomorrow.